Welcome to the Pastor's Cut Podcast. This is our first podcast for 2023. I'm here in the studio with my best friends in the entire world, Marissa Carter, Dave McPherson, and Jeff, what's his last name? Je- Elkins, that's right. Good good to see you guys. <laughs> Welcome to 2023. Happy New yeah. Year. Gentlemen, it's lovely to be back with you. It is fantastic. It's been a while. So let's, uh, let's just do a quick uh, review New Year's Eve. How late did you stay up? Because it was on a Saturday Saturday night this year. Saturday uh, night. Is that? Saturday night. Yeah. Little song. What song are you going for? I, I, was, I was thinking Elton John. Yeah, that's the one. Oh, is that the one? <laughs> yeah. That didn't okay, sound anything okay. like it. Yeah. <laughs> Saturday night's all right for fighting, said Sir Elton John. So how late did you stay up? I'm going to start. I'm going to open the bidding. I went to bed at 9.45 on Saturday night. Nicely done. Yeah. Well and done. I did not regret it at all. <laughs> Didn't miss a thing. Put in the earplugs. I was out like a light. So, yeah. Marissa, you look like you were like a 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock person. Um, well, we had a party that we are going to go to, and then our friend um, had the flu. So we did not get to go to that party. So we went to my mom's house instead. A different vibe. Did a little bit. Uh, a little, but, yes. uh, but we watched a movie and had hot chocolate, and it was very oh. nice. And so we got back from Broken Arrow. It was about 2 o'clock when we got back. Wow. Okay, that's really Hard late. partying at my mom's house with hot chocolate. Do. Yeah. And Martinelli's, okay. of course, because you had to. Of course. <laughs> of Come course. on. That's the good Baptist way to do it. <laughs> so now Dave was preaching on Sunday morning the 1st. So what time did you go to bed? I went to bed the first time at 10.30. I went to bed the second time at 12.05 and the third time at about 1 o'clock. That sounds like Thanks a firework to, situation. Yes. Yeah. My, my neighbor's shooting off fireworks and oh, my children okay. waking up in the middle of the night. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, so, Jeff, uh, round us off. How, what time did you uh, hit the hay? I think it was between 9 and 9.30, and then I was awakened by my wife to celebrate the... <laughs> Puerto Rican New Year, which I understand is two hours ahead of us. Very nice. So I, whatever that means, I kind of sat there while the grandkids blew loud horns in my face. Nice. Then I went back to bed. Sorry. <laughs> Happy New Year, Puerto Rico. Happy. Sweet. Happy New Year. I did, um, I don't know what brand they are yet, but I, I put in some earplugs um, New Year's Eve. I'd never worn these before, and they're like the best earplugs on the planet. So I snatched the whole bag. <laughs> Paul, Paul has already taken the tag off. Now i got to find out you know, where these things come from, because the, I didn't hear a thing. It That's was fantastic. Great. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, welcome to 2023. This is our Pastor's Cut for January 15th. And by the time um, we do this message on the 15th, we'll already be in our second week in the new teaching series. So let me explain, uh, like Ricky Ricardo, let me explain what we're talking mm-hmm. about. Uh, this is an untitled teaching series. Uh, it's just going to be the icon of it. It's going to be a question mark. And this all started with me as I was reading a, a book by Jim Cimbala. And in the book, he just, in a passing manner, asked the question, what is the Holy Spirit saying to your church? And I found that to be such a compelling, thoughtful question. And I've been trying to listen as pastor for 20 years. I think I've been listening more intentionally the last two years, uh, going through everything that we've gone through in our culture. But I think that's worth exploring. What is the Holy Spirit saying to our church. And I've spent some time praying through 
what uh, what the Holy Spirit may be saying to our church. This is going to be a very free-form teaching series. Again, I'm asking people not so much to listen to me, but to listen with me. But there are some things that I believe that the Holy Spirit is saying to our church. And week one, we're going to talk about us being unapologetically urban. I mean, look around. We are a downtown church. We live in an urban environment. And I don't know if y'all want to contribute to that just in an, in passing, but you know, there are easier places to do ministry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, being in the heart of a city, being in an urban area is is challenging. But if we look back at our history, 125 years, this is where the Holy Spirit, this is where God providentially planted us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to acknowledge that we are we are an urban church. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, we've got the the combination of issues with that. We we have commuters that come in from all around, that, that come in from as far out as some, some come 50, 60 miles away just to come to church with us. I think some even come further. I think we have a couple that comes in from Joplin, a couple that comes in from Oklahoma City just to play in the orchestra. So, yay, that's yeah. fun. <laughs> yeah, good. But then we also have our, our downtown neighbors, the homeless population, and, and we get to deal with that as well. Yeah, it's an interesting environment. Marissa, anything you want to add? Yeah, there's just a lot of opportunities there. And, um, you know, sometimes I'm jealous of, like, parish churches that have... Oh, a, yeah. the, the community is right there, and uh, you green can Green lawns. <laughs> yeah, playgrounds and green yeah. lawns. and um, But, you know, then there's uh, shortcomings of that, too, where you would be living in a parish, perhaps. Yes. So that means you're 24 hours no, on call. <laughs> that's not going to happen. But we have a lot of beautiful opportunities to reach out and be... Um, part of the Tulsa community in ways that a parish church or a community church wouldn't. Right. So the the kind of the theme of the message for Sunday, and this is for the 8th, as we talk about being unapologetically urban, uh, we're going to talk from Jeremiah 29. Uh, by the way, spoiler alert, one of the uh, most misinterpreted verses in the Bible. <laughs> but Jeremiah writes to the exiles and says, exile is your assignment right now. You're, you're going to live in the city for a while. And I'm not saying we're exiled here in Tulsa, but some, sometimes it's, it's difficult. It's challenging to do ministry, and Jeremiah lays out some privileges or some principles, excuse me, on what it means um, to work and to pray for the benefit of the city mm-hmm. and to wait for the Lord, right. to wait on the Lord. So that'll be the first week. So now we're in the second week. One of the other things I believe our Holy Spirit is saying to our church, uh, and this is not just our church specifically, I think this would be more the Western church is we have got to get past being consumers mm-hmm. and really set about being disciples of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've become more convinced and, and more convictional that our mission is to do what Jesus said in that Great Commission. I want you to teach people to obey everything I've commanded. That's a challenge. That's a, that's a lifetime of, of investment. And so what, what does our church do? We should teach everything that Jesus commanded, which means that we are to be learners, apprentices, disciples. So let's go to the text, and I'm going to ask Marissa to read uh, Luke chapter 9, verses 57 through 62. Sure. And uh, after you read on this, we'll reflect on these three really rapid-fire uh, conversations that Jesus has with would-be disciples. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, Follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, 
I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. So here we're at that point of Luke where Jesus has turned toward Jerusalem. So when it says, as he was walking along the road, mm-hmm. he is engaging the road to the cross, okay? And and there are three short conversations here that give us snapshots. And while I teach this, I'm going to encourage you, you know, see, see which conversation most resembles your relationship with the Lord. Uh, but also that walking along the road is not just not just physical and literal, it's also spiritual. Mm-hmm. Discipleship is a journey. Uh, learning to obey everything Jesus commanded us is a process. And so he invites us still today to join us along this road. So I've been hogging the microphone long enough. Uh, big picture at these three conversations, what, what pops into to your guys' mind? One of the first things I think of as, as I look at these conversations is the, the conversation that Elisha and Elijah have when Elisha is called to follow Elijah and, and go out. Elisha says, let me go back and say bye to my parents. And Elijah grants that, and then they go off on the merry way. So there's something about this, this conversation that either Jesus is saying there's an immediate need right here and now to, to hop in, or there's something that we're not aware of that's behind the scenes with this that Jesus is saying, you need to do more than simply take your time and lollygag in the process of following me. Yeah, if nothing else, you walk away from this passage with a sense of urgency. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of excuses, um, and what Jesus presents to us is, this is urgent, this is right here, right now. Rissa, what you got? Well, I just think about the difference between these three individuals and those who did follow Jesus, um, those who did become disciples, um, and that's just the excitement to jump up and go and not to make excuses, like you said. Um, Jesus did call some people to remain in their villages, to remain with their families. Um, I think of like Mary and Martha and Lazarus and Bethany and the Samaritan woman who was called to stay in her village and proclaim the gospel and the kingdom of God there amongst the Samaritans in her village. And then there were the 12 and others like Mary Magdalene who were called to be travelers alongside Jesus and have this more immersive experience of discipleship where they learned his teaching and soaked in his ways. And that's what being a disciple was. I know we've talked about that before, but it's someone who so closely followed their rabbi that they could um, keep his teachings alive after his passing. Um, The whole point of being a disciple was to proclaim the rabbi's message to preach and to be a blessing to other people. And what unified all of them, those who stayed in the villages and those who traveled with Jesus, was just this common love for Jesus, a desire to be with him fully when he was with them whenever possible, a willingness to do anything for him out of that love. Um, And just the obedience for them wasn't begrudging. It wasn't, well, I guess if I have to, (laughs) kind of obedience, you know, that we all kind of experience with our kids, and we also Mm. um, tend to do also. (laughs) It was obedience, but if you love someone and and you walk in step with them on the journey, you don't realize that it's obedience. If you're just excited to be with them and you want to do whatever you can to please them, you don't realize that it's obedience. That's just love. And I think about the cost of discipleship, which I'm sure you'll probably mention um, when you're preaching this, um, and how Dietrich Bonhoeffer's uh, original title for his book wasn't the cost of discipleship, but the act of following. Mm. And that's such an important distinction to consider it not, man, this isn't a cost, this isn't a burden, this isn't begrudging, this is just the act of following. Right. So so we've talked about 
you know, Jesus invites us to follow him, to be his disciples. It's urgent. And I'm contrasting that with, I think, what everyone agrees has become the model of the Western church, and that is based on consumerism. So let's, let's play with that idea a little bit. Let's dig into that. You, you might be a consumeristic Christian if dot, dot, dot. And, and by the way, when I say this, I'm, I'm talking about me too. You know, that I'm not immune from this. I'm not pointing a finger at anybody else. But the Western church has, you know, there's the persecuted church, and then there's the very passive church in, in the West. We're kind of passive. So what are some characteristics of consumeristic Christians? Um, one, one I think that would be pretty obvious is I choose a church based on what it offers me. You know, and, and there's... There's a little bit of that in all of us, all right? But it's like, I want these programs, I want this, this, and this, and the church better you know, meet my expectations or I'll go somewhere else. So it really is more me-focused. I don't know that anybody—let me not use absolutes. We don't think in terms of, I want to find a church that's going to teach me to obey everything Jesus commanded. We usually choose churches based on program and taste. So what are some other characteristics of consumeristic Christianity? We want a church that fits our schedule. Oh, there you go. Yeah, it's got it's got to be convenient. So that means if I am, if I've got family obligations, or if my kids are involved in sports in another state on a Sunday morning, I want to be able to hang out at a church that will fit within that framework, whatever that looks like. Yeah, that 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 God is a priority as long as nothing else conflicts with that. Yeah, mm-hmm. Russell, what do you think? I just think about how many. Um ways that we replace real relationships with parasocial relationships. Mm. Um, And that's just, I I listen to a lot of podcasts as, as we all are producing this podcast and and you all at home or in your cars are listening to this podcast and you kind of think, these are my friends. They're talking directly into my ears and, and, um, and it can kind of replace actual intimacy. You know, there's several from my generation that have replaced church with podcasts and being pastored and shepherded by um, by an individual who knows and loves you um, and replacing that by uh, just reading or listening to podcasts or, or listening to, um, you know, sermons on Facebook. Um, there's so many ways that we've replaced real human relationships um, with these parasocial relationships that are so one-sided. And so it's kind of natural that we're treating God in the same way. Yeah. Um, where it's become kind of a one-sided, consumeristic way of viewing that relationship. Um, I think about how uh, Jesus, Jesus often went to speak to God in private and how that was such a two-way communication. And he didn't do it because he needed to check in and not because he had to, but because he longed to be with the Father. He delighted in talking to him. He was more whole when he was with God, more fully himself mm. Um, and that's what we should long for as well, just to get to the point where we feel most fully ourselves when we're in God's presence, to walk in step with Him until our steps are indistinguishable from His. Um, that's being a disciple. And I think in some ways it's kind of our fault as the church um, for leading in a way that develops consumers rather than disciples. Um, I don't think people seek out being consumers. Um It's, uh, you know, people have accepted Jesus by getting saved, and they just don't understand that there's more to it than that because they haven't been properly told. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's it's the starting line, not the finish line. Yeah. Um, 
so I think one of the other characteristics of a consumer Christianity is the, the desire we have to remain anonymous. And now sometimes I understand this. Um, I talk to a lot of folks coming into the church that they've been wounded in the past by their church, and they just need to come and find a place to heal. Mm-hmm. But sometimes that stretches on for years that I, you know, I just want to attend here. I don't want to know anybody. I don't want anybody to know me. I'm going to consume what I want and do it on my terms. That is not at all what the church should look like. Um, in fact, you know, the simple definition of the church is people who follow Jesus and the way of Jesus together. Church is a way of saying disciple in a plural way. And when we're yes. anonymous, we cut ourselves out of that. And oftentimes it's those people who come in who say, I just, I just want to hang out, I, I, I want to heal, I, I've been burned from a previous church. A few, few years later, five years, ten years later, they have a crisis, they have no one to support them, and That's they right. call the church and point the finger, why weren't you there to help? Well, we invited you to get involved in five community groups, and you didn't plug in anywhere. You didn't know anyone, and so you didn't even have more than two or three conversations with me on a Sunday morning, so how are we even aware that there's anything going on. Right. Yeah, we need, to, we need to start preparing now for those things that we know are coming. So when we hold up our consumeristic Christianity to this passage, again, three short conversations, and here's where I'm going in the message, that there, there are obstacles that present themselves for these three would-be disciples, and they are all self-generated. The greatest challenge in following Jesus is not external factors. <laughs> The greatest barrier is within my own heart. You know, if I say I'm going to follow Jesus, and, and that that's the biggest that's the biggest barrier. So the first, um, here's how I'm going to preach through this: is the first is discouragement. You know, a person was excited to follow Jesus, but kind of Jesus gave him a reality check and say this is going to be a tough road, and he walked away discouraged. And following Jesus is a long road, mm-hmm. and we have to fight discouragement every step along the way because the world's a tough place. We don't see our character changing as quickly as we'd like to, so we, we battle against discouragement, but we don't stop. We keep walking down the road. The second is delay, that this man in the process, and uh, if it's okay, I'll unpack that on Sunday morning, where in the process he was in burying his father, but it was almost, you know, there's always going to be something. We say, well, I want to get my life straight before I follow Jesus. Well, it's like waiting till you have money to have kids. It's just not going to happen, right? And there's <laughs> always going to be an excuse. Put those excuses aside, no longer delay. And the third um, conversation really hits on the barrier of distraction. Um, No one who puts their hand to the plow, and it does go back to the Elijah-Elisha picture. Mm -hmm. Um, There's so many things that distract us, so many concerns and cares of the world. And I think even within the church, I'm going to list off some of the distractions that we deal with as a church that have nothing to do at all with following Jesus in the way of Jesus, nothing at all with obeying his teaching, but we tend to focus on those things. I remember years ago, I stopped wearing a tie on Sunday morning. Uh-oh. That's, Uh-oh. That's, that's all we talked about for three months. Why isn't the pastor wearing a tie? Some still do. Some still do, and I ignore those people. But that has nothing to do with teaching people to obey everything Jesus commanded, but we love these distractions because they're so much more within our control. So I look at, at these three conversations, and it's convicting. Um, you know, discouragement, delay, distraction. Uh, we've got to deal with those if we are going to be truly apprentices and disciples of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just there's so much more than just saying yes once. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a process, ongoing process of saying yes over and over and over again, 
And if we just pray once and just attend church, we're not following Jesus at all. We're just waving at him as he passes through town. Right. Yeah. You know, we're we're friendly towards Jesus, it's but a we're not, Yeah, it's not it's not discipleship. And that's the difference between cheap versus costly grace, right? Um, that this cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance, baptism without church discipline, communion without confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship. That's what Bonhoeffer teaches. Um, we're doing such a disservice to people by telling them that all they need to do to be reconciled with God and to live a life with God is to acknowledge Him once and then never again. Right. Um, reconciliation to the Father, uh, salvation is a journey that begins the moment we turn towards Him and doesn't end till the path ends at His presence. People believe that um, that it's okay to be a consumer because that's what we teach them. Um, we're so anxious to see people saved that we cheapen it, that we make it um, such a low barrier to entry to such a degree that all we offer is cheap grace, and that's that's insulting to people. That's not what they want. They want something deeper. They want the people want a challenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they yeah. want mm-hmm. they want a challenge. They want to be called to to greatness that, that they don't even know they have yet. And yeah. and Marissa guilty is charged. I mean, there's a from a pastor standpoint, there's a there's a pressure of you got to produce. You know, if you want to be a successful pastor, if you want your church to keep you employed, if you want other people to admire you. You've got to produce. Mm-hmm. You've mm-hmm. got to see people join your church, and you've got to see them be baptized. Um, I, I have feel I've felt that before, and I probably am guilty of cheapening that yeah. grace. I think we all are. Yeah, it's yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's, it's it's just so much easier, right? <laughs> and and that um, you know that makes me think about maybe ending consumerism in Christianity starts with us. Mm-hmm. That um, as as pastoral leaders too, if what I offer the world is I want. I want somebody on my social media platform to see me wearing $400 sneakers. By the way, if you don't know preachers with sneakers, don't check it out. It'll ruin your life. <laughs> yeah. You know, if that's become the hope we offer the world, then we are, we are offering the wrong things. It's not about success. It's about surrender. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've replaced the gift of a relationship with God with offering fire insurance. And do we want to be insurance salesmen, or do we want to be shepherds and guides and fellow travelers it's a lot easier to be in sales than it is to, it, to be in ministry. For those of you in sales, her email address is M. Carter. And I, used to, yeah, we're, I think we all have experience in retail there. And, yes. But no one ever described the relationship between a salesman and their client as beautiful or life-giving or encouraging, um, and and that can't replace real relationships and yeah, real family. That's right. All right, so let's have any last comments. Dave, you look yes. like you got something so I, to say. Wearing your nice I, I, Baylor shirt today. Sick and embarrassed, that's uh, right. <laughs> Even though Baylor did horrible playing against um, playing against the Air Force a couple weeks ago and did not perform very well against Iowa You're as well. You're so, steadfast in your loyalty to them. It's beautiful. Yes, it's wonderful. It's, it's, life, um, it's life-giving. It is, it is life <laughs> Always. something. 100% um, of the time. Anyway, as, as you read Jesus' responses, looking looking at how Jesus reacts to each of these, and I don't want to steal any thunder for, for what you're going to say on Sunday. You steal away. But I notice how Jesus gives some instruction for what discipleship looks like. It, it's almost like he's trying to counter what's going on by saying, whatever's going on that's causing you delay, as an example with the, the, second, the second conversation, you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Your job as a follower of Jesus is to tell other people, introduce other people to this idea of God announcing his rule in his reign present in your life today. And as if that wasn't enough, Jesus says for the third response, 
You're supposed to serve in the kingdom of God. You're not supposed to simply just hang out and be part of a club. You're supposed to go out and serve. Mm-hmm. There you go. You, you, you start, and then what was the second thing you said? Proclaim or invite people yeah, into. Proclaim, and then get, get busy serving. Yes. Head, heart, and hands. Mm-hmm. Right mm-hmm. there. That's good stuff. Marissa, any last comments? No. That's it? Jeff? Yeah. <laughs> Je- Je- Jeff, you got anything to say? No, he's waving me off. Okay. Um, so, so I'm going to invite you again to listen, not just to me, but listen with me over the next few weeks. As we walk through this teaching series, what is the Holy Spirit saying to our church? We are called to be an urban church. We are also called, and Jesus made this very clear, to make disciples, not consumers. And this is a challenge. We are swimming upstream against the cultural stream on things. But this is exactly what obedience looks like. So let's not be discouraged. Let's not delay. And what was the last day? Oh, my goodness, I forgot it. I'm so terrible. Be distracted. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. That that's I, all, You still have a week and a half a, before you That preach, was intentional. So you have plenty of time. It was a bit. I, it it is. I got distracted. <laughs> From remembering distracted. (laughs) That's beautiful. All right. All right. Well, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and grant you peace now and forever. Amen. 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 Amen.